This is Pain Information Network. This one's not too comfortable. Yeah, I'm going to talk today about overdose prevention. And prevention, I'm talking about prevention. And, and this does not necessarily mean bad outcome. This may mean really good outcome. All right, let's 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 look at this. And I'm going to credit uh, Dr. Silverman for a lot of this. He has spoken a lot about this, and I agree with him on the major points. What I don't like to hear or see is that overdose prevention is simple and easy. It's not. It really requires a a certain depth of knowledge. For example, you can't just reverse somebody from an opioid-induced coma using an unknown agent in an unknown dose without having problems. I mean, you can throw people in florent withdrawal. And if you've never seen withdrawal, uh, I think you'll be impressed. When you see it come on within 15 to 20 seconds, it's uh, usually a situation that requires real intervention and real understanding how to do something about it. That's not to say we shouldn't have the tools. Now, SAMHSA is an organization in the U.S. uh, government that recommends these tools. We're going to talk about that. All right, so believe it or not, you start to see overdose deaths by by real intent starting between age 10 to 14 going up to 85-plus. Actually, there's a blip down at 65 to 74, but it starts going up again. Uh, Go figure. I imagine there's a lot of stories behind that, and some have to do with chronic disease. All right, characteristics of unintentional prescription overdose deaths, and they and we and they looked at uh, Utah. I I think that substance abuse you'd expect. I think you would expect it to be pretty high. It's around sixty percent. But non-medical use, in other words, somebody just borrowing a prescription from the medicine cabinet, a grandpa. Well, that's 51%. It's right there. How about history of chronic pain? 82%. Now, that's high. Now, this number is only 155, and it was in 2008, 2009. So these numbers are going to be different, but they're going to be on the heels of reality. Mental illness diagnosed by a provider, 57%. That's not that high of a percentage. All that equals 100%. We just got to look at numbers. We've got to have to figure out some kind of numbers so we can develop an action plan. Uh, use of multiple prescribers. In other words, you've, you've heard of these people, these uh, doctor shoppers. And again, this goes back uh, between 8 to 10 years, but it's, it's pretty relevant. It's about 16 to 25%. And it depends on how many uh, prescriptions you get over what period of time. So if you get it from over five prescribers... That number was about 295. It's 21%. That's pretty high. And the summary is it's male sex predominant, uh, age 45 to 54, and that's from opioids. But we are having that big spike now, these young kids finding out what heroin is, 25 to 34. All right? It's non-Hispanic, and it's going into the affluent communities. Why? Because everybody wants to kind of have a bump. The non-metro counties, they love the opioid analgesics, but the metro counties, you know, the affluent people, they like heroin.
So it also depends on your state, and it, disp- it really depends on just personality, prescription, history, how easy it has been to really get your prescriptions, and just the desire for non-medical use. Now we're starting to see the route of administration being a problem, the snorting, uh, the IV injectables, and therefore the FDA has said, okay, you want to introduce a new opioid, it's going to have abuse deterrent technology. So that's a requirement now for any new opioid. And we're not really seeing new opioids. Uh, we saw Tepentanol. That's the most recent one. But it's just kind of rehashed uh, oxycodones, hydrocodones, in different formulations, and that's fine. They're really good medicines. The problem is if you don't have a, fig- a way figured out to keep them from getting misused, abused, or um, sent somewhere to the medicine cabinet and then to the pill party, uh, they're a problem, especially if they're pure opioid agonists. They don't have anything else in with them, like hydrocodone or something like that. Other problems that affect over opioid overdose uh, have to do with comorbid medical disease. Well, it makes sense. Sleep apnea, you're overweight, psychiatric disorder, you like a little too much alcohol or prior substance abuse, lung disease, that sort of thing. And unfortunately, God bless our veterans. Uh, We love you all. You're at risk. Children get their hands on them. This is the this is the big one, people, and I, I can't drive this home enough. Whenever I deal with someone uh, in the office, and it's, many of you know I'm uh, very interested in addiction, boarded in addiction. I tell them, look, you're going to fall off the wagon. Everybody has their moments. And we all screw up. But if you feel like you're going to fall off the wagon and go back to heroin, do not go back to your previous dose. You don't have tolerance. Let's say you just were incarcerated, and this is a risk factor. You get out of jail. You're going to go right to your dealer. I got to have a fix. He's going to give you either that old dose of uh, heroin or that new fun stuff, the front row seat, that has fentanyl in it. And that's a recipe for disaster. All right. Other medications can lead to problems. We know our benzodiazepines and our sedatives like um, any of the butalbitols, these sort of drugs that have barbiturates in them. Be careful of those headache medicines and the like. Booze, that's a big one too. All right, I mentioned the uh, SAMS. I mentioned the SAMHS. A, that's a mouthful, opioid overdose toolkit. What it is, is it's this naloxone, which is a reversal for opioids, that we can put together to administer in a number of different ways. It can be from IM, IV, you can put it in the nose, and you have these new devices that talk you through it. They literally have a voice that says, open press button, place on thigh, fire, that sort of thing. I'm oversimplifying it, but they literally have come up with these types of technologies, and they work. I've heard the numbers are pretty good. Let's make sure our fire departments, our police departments, let's make sure uh, our family members, sometimes bystanders, 
just so many people have these things. Let's put them in our offices. So as healthcare providers, we have it in our office. Somebody will invariably, once or twice a year, pull somebody through the door and it says, hey, we need help. Do you know how to do something here? Well, yeah, we can do the standard resuscitation and dial 911. Of course, we're going to do that. But I can tell you what I, I would do, and I would do it without hesitation, is use these reversal agents. Let me tell you how far back I go. I was a paramedic for the city and county of Denver, set, er, <laughs> late 70s, early 80s. That's how far back I go. And we had some potent drugs back then, but people didn't take drugs like they do now. So a little went a long way. And we had Narcan. And this drug was kind of new. It reversed opioids, and it was in our resuscitation uh, protocol. So we go down the line. We would not only give sugar for diabetes, uh, hypoglycemia. We would give Narcan. I mean, we did everything we could. And if I got a reversal on the Narcan, and this is a point I want to drive home, I have to remember about redistribution. I've seen it. I've lived it, and this is just something you need to know about. You may have to give them a second hit, if, especially if the ambulance is a long way away or healthcare is a long way away. The drug can outlive the effects of the Narcan. So let's just say 15, 20 minutes down the line, people are starting to get sleepy again from their original overdose. Things just don't look right. Hit them again. Uh, give them more Narcan. We used to put quite a few vials in an IV bag and just slowly infuse it. And that kept people from having this floored withdrawal where they just wake up and they are not happy <laughs> and they hurt and they're throwing up and they have uh, fluids coming out of every orifice. And that's basically what withdrawal is. So what, what about you? Are you going to give these things? Well, a number of states have good Samaritan laws. And the important, I, th I think the most important thing is the community understands that if you give this drug and you bring somebody back, that doesn't mean you're going to go to jail. I think quite the opposite. You're going to be appreciated by not only the healthcare professional, the paramedic or whoever, but law enforcement, the fire department, because you don't have to fear legal consequences. We want you to help. So let's just say you or a family member have a heroin problem. Get this thing in the house, this uh, uh, auto-injector or get the nasal uh, application. Carry it around like you'd carry around the uh, epinephrine for bee stings, the auto-injectors. Just have it ready because, as you know, addiction, addiction pulls you. It pulls you into a world that... You never thought you'd be in, not a moral failure, but it is physiologic. It is something that you react, emotion over logic, and you really, you're just going to need a little bit of help, but you're also going to need a rescue. All right. Please leave a review at paininformation.com, and I really would appreciate it if you'd um, subscribe to this podcast it's going to help me rate i think i'm seeing the slip backwards it may just be the time of year or whatever but i want people to hear this stuff and um we are going to speak as intelligently with the best information possible to keep you happy healthy safe get your pain control when it needs to be controlled 
and uh, most importantly, improve your quality of life. So go to iTunes, uh, help us out there, and go to paininformation.com, and I read all your comments. I've had some, I've had some real interesting comments lately, and that's why I did this one today. If you want to hear more about opioids, I'm going to do four rules, and that's coming up. More interviews, and I will uh, look forward to hearing, you, hearing from you, and I'll see you in a week.